want to hear another joke, Marie? My name is Matthew Kroll. And is it me, or is it getting crazier out there? What voice is that? I don't know. This what is she here down? Yeah, and this is the only podcast about movies. Special bonus, super fun, fabulous, Adventure Time 9000 edition. Yeah. For your Joker emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I was like, do we need to do this? We are doing this, right? We have to do this. I, I, you told me we did. Yeah, I know. Just, <laughs> the bit doesn't work when you reveal the scenes, oh. buddy. When you see how the puppet master... When nobody realizes I've been in charge of this whole thing and you're just the figment of my imagination. Yeah. Much like Zazy Beats. Uh, oh, that's right. This is a spoiler-rific uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, and it's Zazzy Beats, I believe. Is it Zazzy or Zazzy? I don't know. I've always said Zazzy. But, uh, you know, this movie draws so much from Atlanta. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was expecting Childish Gambino to pop up at some Does point. show up, and he's yeah. the prowler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, hi, everyone. I thought we were done with this, but Shahir told me we weren't. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you agreed. So of let's, course. Just, no, no, just to kidding. be fair. Listen, I love when you all write in. And I love it when you write in enough with enough passion where we get to do a sort of little side bonus episode for you. Uh, full of spoilers, all that jazz. So thank you all for writing in to OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or tweeting at us at OnlyMoviePod. Everyone has a lot of thoughts about Joker, and I'm very happy that all those thoughts exist. And we're going we're gonna to talk and about we're gonna it. we're going to go through it. So, just, But just before we do that, oh, have geez. you thought about this film since our review? No. I, I honestly, I have not really put much thought into this movie. One At one point, I thought about it because I was on uh, What a Delight with Chelsea White, and mm. uh, a guest asked me if I had seen it. Right. And I said yes, and then they wanted to know about what, it. What, so. was, what was your thought at that moment on it? Like, how, is the, how has the discourse moved in your brain? None. It hasn't done any. Again, I stand by what we said in the review where it definitely um, is, it, honestly, to me, Personally, it feels inconsequential and a much much ado about nothing. Uh, so, so just to recap our opinions, you can go back and listen to that episode, obviously. But you you kind of feel this film is inconsequential and kind of doesn't have too much to. It, it's not going to go beyond the. I think the discourse about it is far more interesting than anything it asks. I, you know what I I guess uh, I I'm, it doesn't ask you anything. <laughs> I'm ambivalent about this film, but I'm curious as yeah. I think the discourse is more interesting than the film itself, and I think the thing is is that this might be the perfect film for our time, given how much of the discourse is changing and how much it's affected by people influencing the discourse. You know, like given the, the how many times we can say the word discourse. Yeah, exactly. It's all about discourses, um, and uh, these courses, <laughs> these courses. Um, <laughs> I, you know what I was thinking about as well. No, no, you you don't know what what I was thinking about. I watched the scene from The Dark Knight. I watched the scene from The Dark Knight. You know the 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 entrance of the Joker in The Dark Knight, the 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 gangster Uh roundtable scene from The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. Yeah, uh, yeah, with a little lip smack in. With a let me show you a magic trick. Yeah, I'm gonna make it disappear. Not Uh, crazy. (laughs) I'm not. That is the best line reading ever. When like he says, you know, I don't want to hear from the crazy guy anymore, and he and he and he just like looks up at him, and he, you know, like he's kind of like goofing, or he, he seems like he's goofing around, but that moment seems to like it seems to hurt, but he but he's like returning it back. It's so good. Yeah, I need to rewatch Dark. I'm gonna rewatch the first two. I'm gonna watch Batman Begins because we've talked about this before. I sometimes think Batman Begins is better than Dark Knight, and I know you don't. Do, I know you and a lot of other people don't agree. Yeah. Uh, and I flip flop back and forth. Yeah. But this has made me want to go back to a simpler time of a Nolan-esque uh, DC Batman. Well, I'm just thinking about the fact that I wonder, and this is a controversial hot yeah, topic. Carrie Bradshawing hard right now. You couldn't I, help but wonder. I couldn't help but wonder how much of that film got affected by Heath Ledger's death. 
Remember, remembering the reason we were so, you know, just remembering 2008, the surprise when Heath Ledger died so young, mm -hmm. uh, and the the fact that this film was coming out, and then the reason everyone was going to see it was that it was it, it, technically it wasn't his final performance. He still did that film with uh, Terry Gilliam, yeah, uh, Doctor Parnassus' Imagination, Imaginarium, Imaginarium, which, which had to be recast with a bunch of people. But but this was kind of the last. You know, semblance of the Joker on uh, of Heath Ledger on screen, and that and that, you know, he seemed to capture this kind of recklessness, and and the performance was so good. And the issue that I always remember think there is that like because when I, I remember when I watched it, I had I that was like one of the first times in a long time where I had to watch a movie twice in the theater to, to figure out how I felt about it. Yeah, because the first time I watched it, I thought, wow, this is really good, and this is far beyond the actual hype. And then I had to watch it and go. Was that just the you know like was I was I wrong was I just misreading was I just in the moment and and I went and watched it a second time and I was like no this is really good I don't know how you felt about the the you know the the Dark Knight when it came oh out. yeah I mean, it's same hard same I think you know it's interesting though the Dark Knight Rises which I know we're not talking about Heath or the Joker anymore but that's where you started seeing the cracks without him and the more you watch Dark Knight Rises. It it falls apart more and more. It's like crumbling out of your hands. Like you should, if you've watched it once and enjoyed it, never watch it again. Uh, it 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 breaks for me. Well, I think the interesting thing there for me is that the Dark Knight is full of you know like plot contrivances and holes and and things don't really make sense. But it don't matter. But it but that move that movie uh, like moves at such a blistering pace. There's more in the first ten minutes of that movie than most movies have in like an hour. Yeah. Um. That it that you you don't have time to catch up with it. And the Dark Knight Rises, I think. Kind of does the same thing. I, I'm I'm okay with the Dark Knight Rises because I saw it in IMAX and I kind of just had this overwhelming experience with it. But I agree, it, it kind of falls apart. It do, and it doesn't have the the X factor that Heath. Lee's and I still like Bane. I think I think Tom, Tom Hardy's, Hardy's Bane is is super cool and could be like and and is interesting. It's just the movie itself does fall apart around what Bane is doing and how it's sort of handled. But like I loved that take on Bane. Like yeah. I know there's a, there's a different take. There's a joke talking yeah. like this. Yeah. But now that's like even though when we first saw it we're like that's not what what? But like, it's a, but it's now a, it's the take. And it's a take and and also he's trying to do something with Bane. You know like Bane yeah. actually stands for something in a post in opposition to Batman. So regardless uh for all of this conversation I think my point of view would be is watch the Dark Knight again, which I think is a far more fascinating take on the Joker uh, than Joker itself. I would also watch uh, Batman Begins Return of the Joker for a far more interesting take on the Joker. I would also watch Jack mean, Nicholson's Joker from 1989 for a more interesting take on the Joker. I would also watch the original uh, live action series on television for a more interesting take on the Joker. I would also read any book, uh, comic book, not probably any of them. Some of them get a little weird, uh, but 90% of them for a more interesting take on the Joker. But is the performance good? Oh, the performance is great. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when something doesn't say anything, that loses my interest. Okay. Uh, but we're going to talk about it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe okay. there's lots of things it's saying. Maybe people, I uh, am going to come into these emails a little cold, which is going to be fun. I, I've read these emails, and I thought we should do, we should just let's do, do it. Let's do it. You want to take the first one? Yeah, let's you go. First. first one, uh, Baby Dread. Hey, uh, Baby Dread. Favorite, favorite fan of the show. Uh, and we're fans of his. Uh, to me, watching the Joker felt like watching a high school band cover. <laughs> Of a song that I adore. <laughs> this movie referenced Taxi Driver and King of Comedy so hard that I would have rather just been watching those movies. Sure, 
The Joker was a character study, but it wasn't a very good one. It seemed to want to make a statement about... Uh, it wanted to make a big statement, but was too scared to. In fact, during the scene where the Joker gives his We Live in a Society speech, he outright says that he doesn't want to be political. Then there's smaller things that bother me. Zazzy, Zazzy Beats, uh, has no real reason to be in the movie outside of just uh, to be this movie's version of Sybil Shepherd. I'm very open to the idea of being wrong about this one, but I just don't see what all the hype is about. I guess... It has to do with mass audiences not being familiar with Scorsese's work. I actually don't even think that this uh, Joaquin Phoenix, this is Joaquin Phoenix's best work. He was incredible, and you were never really here. Uh, Matt, th- has the hype? You know, has the hype? Has the movie lived up to the hype? No, but mm. but but that's not what it's about anymore. The it's now we live in a society where the hype is the thing. Like right. the, the, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it's the discussion about it. I, I mean, Baby Dread hits a lot of nails on a lot of on a lot of heads here. Uh, the high school, the, it's such a high school band covering the stuff, which, hey, my band in high school was dope. All right. Let's not let's not uh, besmirch the rabid skunk's name. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do understand what you're saying. It's people that think that they know like what like that that feel like as though they're they're doing something incredibly meaningful and deep and like whatever. But like don't quite hit the mark on what they're trying to say or even if they even if the thing they're trying to say has legs. I get what you're what what Baby Dread is trying to say here. I just don't want to I don't want to get into that thing where you're like, well, there's a bit of movie out there. I You know, like a lot of people. That's your favorite thing. A lot of people haven't seen Scorsese's work and so it's it's a question of like whether you know this just stands up on its own two feet I mean no because it's not even it's not even about not having seen Scorsese's work you can you can recognize the cool things about this about Joker that that are blatantly sort of uh, homagely taken from Scorsese's work without seeing Scorsese and still realize that they're cool because they work even if you don't realize that they are from Scorsese the issue is they use them for little to no effect I think I I found myself by the by the time he's going to go on the show at the end of the at the end of the mm-hmm. movie. I was like I pray this is not a monologue. I know it's setting up for a monologue, <laughs> but the second if and if the monologue is about society and not like literally these two things about not wanting to be political uh there's a lot of stuff in the conversation online about things shouldn't be political. This shouldn't be political. Video games shouldn't be political. Uh, dog cat pictures shouldn't be political. Uh, I don't know if you're following the news with the Hong Kong stuff and all that jazz right now, and even like in esports now, the Hearthstone player that's been now that's that's actually national news about a game that I fill us in just so we're long story aware. short. Uh, Blitzchung, uh, uh, I believe, is the name of the Hearthstone player who won Grandmasters. Uh, basically, for his like winner speech, uh, two casters asked him to make a speech. They kind of knew what he was doing because they were going to hide under the desk. And uh, he basically said, uh, you know, for liberation for Hong Kong or something along those lines. Since then, Blizzard, the entertainment company, which is owned by Activision, uh, CEO Bobby Kotick, shout out to that piece of shit. Uh, the Whoa, harsh, he, he, he's made some real bad calls, and I I don't want to get it. it's it's uh, whatever. Yeah, right. just, but just they banned chill, so they. They banned Blitzchung. They took away. They they retroactively took away his winnings from previous things, and they fired the two streamers because Blizzard has a ten cent of a five percent ownership from Tencent, the Chinese company, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's blown up throughout a lot of different things, causing people across the aisle in our political situation to uh, comment and say how companies shouldn't kowtow. But at the same time, every company's been kowtowing to China for the past. For, for a long time, uh, but in, in different ways. Anyway, uh, to say something, to say that you don't want a thing to be political, I feel as though in this day and age is a bit naive. You can still have escapism. But, it, but is the film saying it's not political? The character might be saying it is, but is the film being apolitical? That, that's, I, I don't think the film is apolitical. I think, I think the character, you know, 
makes that point. And and I think to me the thing that I would be interested in revisiting is 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 the more I've thought about the Joker as sure. a film, and you know that that conversation around discourse, you know, surrounding the film, is the idea that you know like ultimately this is the this is this film and the conversation around it is exactly where we are as a culture, and and it refer it, you know the the outrage around it, the way we but the we outrage do- is where we are. What it actually says if you if you look at the film, which is almost impossible to in a vacuum, but if you look at the film for the film in the film's own just sort of space it doesn't actually land any of those points well there's the thing that i guess was interesting that didn't land for me while i was watching was the idea that the, the joker the joker becomes viral or the joker as a idea becomes like sparks fire around the world or in gotham city in particular but but then if you look at like how little thing you know like like uh, scorsese saying that he thinks marvel movies aren't cinema becomes like a point of contention and suddenly spawns this like scorsese hatred i know 1981 doesn't like speak to that virality that we sort of know and understand today but but it, but also what happens in the film speaks to the way our culture kind of operates but now. But the which interesting is... thing about that, while you're 100% correct, what it does forget and why it does feel disingenuous is the outrage or the excitement or the anger at a statement or whatever because there's so much shit and we are bombarded with it so much. We'll go in what, for two days, we'll be fucking furious and then something else will happen where we're just, just as furious about something else because we're addicted to anger. The, the Joker, if this if it happened in the world that the movie set up and if it's trying to be a mirror of our own, this, this group, this uh, movement would be forgotten when the next... Uh, censorship thing in a video game came up like it's it's not again every point it sort of makes it makes it to 90 percent, and then if you actually look at look at it it just sort of drops off and doesn't pick it up um so i i I, sorry i want to get back to sort of baby dread's question about sort of um i guess baby dread you were asking if you're wrong about this opinion i don't i mean in in my opinion Mm -hmm. about your opinion you are correct (laughs) um the movie what? doesn't live up to the hype that that is surrounding the. Yeah. The, does the movie, you know, like speak to the discourse that it is? The actually hype doing. is the spectacle. The film is not. Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's read out. Down, to... Let's scroll down the list. Boop doop doop. This is from Jacob. What up, Jacob? Uh, Jacob says really resonated with Shahir's thoughts about the film being a big swing, uh, and with that being perhaps a nice thing to see in superhero comic book film genres. Uh, I resonated less with the discussion of the film being immoral. It honestly surprised me a bit, mainly because I was watching a character that I would have called relatable. Someone who is just trying to get by and can't get a break. Someone who keeps getting beat down by the world. Seeing that kind of character make a mistake is, I think, devastatingly uh, relatable. The gun falling out of the shirt sequence was surprisingly heartbreaking for me, that initial panic in Arthur's face. Arthur clearly became more psychopathic as the film goes on, but the actions of the more psychopathic Arthur were always entrenched for me in the Arthur I knew was possible from the beginning of the film, and that tension strikes me as encouraging a kind of morality. In summary, I was gripped and touched by the initial portrayal of Arthur and disappointed how they showed and expanded on this transition into the Joker. Mm, so this is a uh, uh, this I think to me the uh 
I'm less interested maybe in the political discourse around the film and the outrage machine and all that sort of stuff. My question has to do with like, is the film moral or amoral um, with no point of view on either of those subjects, but but how does the film relate to an audience in, in that respect? And and for me, uh, you know, look, I, I didn't particularly find the Joker entirely relatable, but for example, in King of Comedy, uh, Rupert Pupkin, I kind of find relatable uh, because there's a sort of a harmlessness to him, even yeah. though he does some pretty devastating things. Um, the, the I, I think I'm sort of half on board with this character as relatable, even beyond the Wall Street, you know, the subway killings. Um, but but there's a point at which where he kills, he murders, like very purposefully murders uh, a coworker of his, the person who gave him the gun, yeah. and then lets another wor- coworker go. Um, where I think the film, I- I'm uncertain as to why he does that and why the film thinks that that is interesting. And and then when the film kind of finally lands on this idea that that he becomes like a touch point for other people, um, does the film let him? You know, like how does the film engage with that? And the film I thought about a lot in. In, in respect to this, there's a couple of films, obviously, but the one that I really thought about was The Talented Mr. Ripley. And in The Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, Tom Ripley, played by Matt Damon, does a lot of horrible things. And he does a lot of things where the film is trying to couch it in a sense of like, we understand where he's coming from and we understand the reasons he's been cornered into this position in order to kill someone. But the end of the film makes the point that all of these actions that Tom Ripley has done has led him into complete isolation and is ultimately going to be his downfall. Mm-hmm. And I don't and, and the end of the Joker ultimately says that this is the the transition point that he, you know, he sell, he's he's becoming the thing he's supposed to be. Now, counterpoint to what I just said. <laughs> I think if this is meant to just be the inverse of a Batman film, the inverse of a superhero film, if basically if you look at the final shot of Batman Begins, where Batman you know, swoops in and he opens his wing and becomes the Batman and we cut to black. If we think about the final shot of this film just being the inverse of that, then I think maybe that would be interesting. I'm not sure that the film kind of posits that us to an, uh, in a way that, that suggesting that's what it was trying to do. But, you know, like if this was basically the upside down of a Batman movie, um, I think that could be interesting. I, I'm well, th- There's going to be another email later on where I think I'll probably repeat the phrases. I, I'm not sure that that hypothesis is supported by the text. But sure. It could be it could be a way to interpret it. Uh, I would say I was on board with Arthur Fleck, at least, you know, finding uh, understanding where he was coming from up until the middle of the subway murders, because he starts it in self-defense. And then he switches from that to going hunting, and yeah, there's yeah, that's true. I, yeah. So so, and then from that point on, he became a a a, a killer. I mean, I would even argue. I mean, you can get into the the sort of different definitions of what a killer is. If it's just someone who has actually taken a life, or someone who enjoy you know whatever, however you want to do it. But once that happened, and that was about midway through the movie, um, I. Just there was no more relatability to it because it became, and you know, that's not to say like you couldn't be in the moment of like, oh, like you know, the system, like I can see how the system beats people down and all that jazz. But like, there, there's an interesting. I'm trying to remember where this quote comes from. Uh, someone famous said it, or it's in the movie or something. <laughs> um, but uh, it's about mental illness, and um, mental illness is not your fault, right? But it is your responsibility, hmm. yeah. and. 
and you can have support systems and you can do all this stuff. And this movie is about when support systems fail. There's no question. Yeah. But when when he takes that turn and becomes literally just a killer because he's he's now, you know, that act sort of pushed him over the top. I no longer then relate to him because I personally can't relate to that. And that's not to say that you can't make interesting characters that you don't relate to. Um, but I think the more you can take a villainous character and put them in situations that not only before they were a villainous character, you could relate to them, but while they are doing their villainy, like again, I don't want to do too much Marvel stuff in this, but like, I think Thanos is an incredibly, uh, well-executed villain because even though his idea is insane it takes you a second to kind of be like is that insane well i mean well hold on like maybe with the research yeah and then you get into the morality of it but you're honestly like you can you can look at it from a thing and you can sort of relate to where he is coming from because there is an end an end game wow mm -hmm. to what he wants to do that weirdly in his own morality and and honestly, in reality, could be considered a good thing if you take away a lot of moral <laughs> standpoint. So so, but with Joker, I mean, I th that's I, not the case at all. That's not presented to us. The the text is not there. It's it's. It, I think you know, like coming back to uh, Nolan's Dark Knight, is that that character, that iteration of the Joker, is far more understandable and relatable. Like I get the impulse to be nihilistic. I get the idea that the world order is corrupt yeah. and 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 we just need to throw caution to the wind. And that is what you know. And that's the Joker's point of view in that film. And I think you know that film does a bitter that that to that. The Dark Knight is a bitter Joker origin story and a bitter explanation of how the Joker operates. Not just as a not just as a comic book villain, but as a real character. You know, like he he makes sense in a in a sort of operation of nihilism. You know, like um, you know uh, the the question of like whether a character can do immoral things. I think is absolutely open to interpretation. There's no like hard lines here. Um, and you know, like you think about movies like Badlands or Natural Born Killers or something like that, where characters do absolutely amoral things, but the film kind of posits a world that aligns with what the audience's expectations of that, uh, of how we should respond to that kind of works. And I, and I don't, you know, I'm still not convinced that this film does. I'm willing to give it another shot. Um, I, I also think, you know, from this email from Jacob, I'm not entirely sure. I think Jacob wants to, um, wants wants to find this character relatable, but isn't exactly sure that the film does. Well, I'm not going to put words into Jacob's mouth. That's Jacob's job. Well, but yeah, no, just from the the, sure. the, the final sentence um, of this email. I mean, I would have loved it if the film worked for me too. I wanted I wanted this film to work. I wanted to be uh, my initial thoughts on it to be a little bit proven. Yeah, I, I, you know, that was the thing. I wanted to, you know, I loved uh, Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker so much that I was like, oh, I, ho I wonder this can kind of, if this can kind of give me uh, an alternate take on the film. I, you know, like again, uh, we come back to this conversation. And there's, you know, like dozens of um, things floating around about um, uh, Jared Leto's performance yep. of the Joker or the Joker in Suicide Squad, and there's lots of problems with that. But I even, I, I kind of liked that take. Uh, and, at least and it's, it, like, at least it was a take. You know, like I, I'm. And this I, is a take too. This uh, is a, yeah. I, I mean, a hundred percent. Leto's Joker, while it is not speaking to my aesthetic at all for what I want the character to be, and it's not good in that. It's not, uh, and the movie's fucking garbage yeah, because the film's not good. Yeah, but but that that can't be placed entirely on on Jared and him being a psychopath like that. You know, that's no like this one. I don't know. I, I it's funny. I've I've kind of I've had the the dark itch in the back of my head to rewatch Suicide right. Squad. Oh, really? And, and just see and just see 
just see, I know what's gonna happen, but it's like that. It's like that. Like do it, and it's like no, <laughs> this is bad for me. All right, let's move on. Okay, uh, Dotun who writes us in first time uh, writer. Thank you. Uh, th- uh, hey, and nice to meet you. Hello, Dotun. Uh, I I see the point you guys are making about how the movie takes a big swing, but ultimately misses on landing any of its point. I had this thought initially about the movie too. The sudden radicalizing of everyone, and also uh, the weird newspaper headlines proclaiming "Kill the Rich," all felt very out of place. <laughs> But oh. then it dawned upon me that this could be happening, or that what could be happening is that the movie is really going on on and how you see everything from Arthur's perspective. So this may not be the actual world around us, but rather his interpretation of what is going on around him. So I think it really could be the case that over the course of the movie, the world is supposed to make less sense because this is how Arthur views it and how he latches onto a group of people writing about the societal class because it is the only recognition that he has had and embraces uh, it to inspire confidence in himself, in himself. Would love to hear what you guys think about all of that and the I, I guess the the idea is is that whether everything that happens in this film is actually just from his point of view and may not actually be happening uh that would make a far more interesting movie but i don't think that's what this film is doing at all i think my, uh, you know the quote i brought earlier which is that i i do think that would be a really interesting idea and it and it and i can see how you get to that point because of the bezazi beats uh you know the neighbor story um but I don't think it's supported by the text. So I'm going to, uh, and I'll even give you an example of when this has worked in Batman stories before. Uh, This is going to be some light spoilers for the Arkham game series. Okay. Um, But there is a point in which, and and please, you know, if you you have an interest in this, it's a great twist and I don't want to break it for you. So, you know, if you haven't played them and you're going to, just pause this, fast forward like five minutes. Was it like 10 years old now? Yeah, but still, but like it was such a cool moment for me that I don't want to ruin it for anybody else. (laughs) I believe in uh, Arkham Knight, Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, at the end of Arkham Asylum or Arkham City, uh, Batman or the Joker dies. Yeah. But not before injecting Batman with like a laughing serum or like one of his chemicals or whatever. And then in Arkham Knight, you start seeing the Joker again. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the sh? Like, we watched him die. Like, you, we, and, Isn't and, Arkham Knight take place before Arkham? No, no, you're thinking of Arkham Origins. Uh, there, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, there's four games, um, mm-hmm. only three of which were worked on by the same thing, but you know, whatever, doesn't matter. So um, then you realize as a plot twist that actually the Joker had basically, and this is a very comic booky thing, but like injected a psychotropic drug to start driving Batman insane. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're seeing, he's seeing the Joker all over the city in weird places that's still talking to him. Right. And it, it's in that sort of thing that the, the game itself does a really great job of the first half making you be like, maybe the Joker's alive. Like, maybe, you know, whatever. And then you realize that you are only seeing the psychosis of what is happening in Bruce's head. Right. And that is something that if the, if that type of thing, not that specific plot points, but to get that feeling across was done in this movie, I would have really appreciated it. The, the only thing that sort of like is that escape hatch onto like, oh, maybe they meant to do this is Zazie Beat's character. But that's handled so sort of like... Oh, we just got to get rid of this plot point. Like, and also in the movie, whenever there's Zazzy sort of interacting with Arthur in the beginning, uh, it's so weird and out of character. I, I instantly knew I was like, yeah, this is going to be, it's not going to be true. Like it just doesn't make sense to what's going on. Oh, and he also has that sort of like, I would call it a daydream about being on the in the audience for the the late night show, right? And but, he actually ends up being on the. But later on in the film, nothing is ever 
like that. We don't ever have the rug pulled out from us. Uh, no. From, and I think, you know, like a, a, a really great example of of what you're trying to, uh, what you might be suggesting is American Psycho. Towards the end of American Psycho, you know, like he pulls out a, uh, uh, you Spoilers know, for American Psycho. Patrick Bateman pulls out a gun and he, he, start, he starts basically going crazy throughout the city. And what he's like figuring out is that nobody's responding to his murders in the way that he thinks people should. Uh, you know, like he literally starts killing people just at random and, and everyone seems to be okay with it. Um, and he pulls out a gun and he shoots uh, a cop. He gets into a cop fight or, you know, like a shootout with a cop. And the car explodes. And there's a moment where he just like stops and he looks at his gun like, wait, what is going on here? Like none of this is making sense to me anymore. And the whole film kind of leads us to this point where you realize that his mask of sanity is falling away and and he's not even sure what's real and what's not real anymore. And that's the question mark that the film leaves on us. The other obvious one is A, a Beautiful Mind, you know, which kind of has this yep. idea that... But so, those movies do things in them to mm -hmm. let the audience know that that is occurring. Not, and and not, it's part of the text. Like, yeah. you know, like the film here is somewhat triumphant when the Joker kind of stands up and uh, on the car at the end. The the moment, you know, the oh, I, I meant to speak about this earlier, the moment that I really do like in this movie is after the subway killings when the Joker kind of locks himself in the bathroom yeah. and he dances for a moment. Yeah. I think that's actually a really beautiful scene. And yeah. I think it's a beautiful, like... Like difficult to watch and and question what is the point of view of this character because he is, you know, he has finally found some sort of method to express himself. A little might, bit of a release, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah I, I, that's actually something I didn't say in the review that I actually I, I do really like about this. The Joker has always been very fluid for me, like movement wise. Heath Ledger's wasn't, but yeah. but the Joker in in the animated series and the comic books and even beforehand, even Jack Nicholson in his yeah. own way, yeah. were all very movement and dance heavy and theatrical. Yeah. And this took theatrics to a different place. He basically wanted to be a performer in this one background story for the Joker. Yeah. And he also talks about dancing a little bit and dances quite a bit. Yeah. And and it's and it's and it is that sort of beautiful thing in this dingy bathroom after he just murdered people. And you get that feeling of like like you start to see the origins of him as performer, it's just his art is fucked up and it doesn't ever actually get to the point of it in this specific movie. I, I, I watched an interview or I read an interview with Todd Phillips where they were talking about that scene because they he they were trying to write like a way for for his character to express that he enjoyed what had just happened. Yeah. And he uh he Phillips had just gotten some music from the score from the the composer, and they played it while they were on set. and And Joaquin just started dancing, and he they he talked about how they had this idea that the Joker has music in him, but doesn't know how to express it. And then you know, like he took that idea and they just kind of filmed it, and it was like the, it's such a beautiful nonverbal kind of expression of an idea. Yeah. And and like by being nonverbal, it's much more powerful because it doesn't narrow down to something. Again, all of the tools. If this if this movie if if the joke if Joker film was like uh, the construction of a house, <laughs> it's it all the tools to build the house are of the utmost quality, and the, I think like all the materials, oh, materials, yeah. tools, etc., are of the utmost quality. I might not even say materials. I, I think tools is more an apt thing. Like all of the things, like the cinematography, the 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 choreography, mm -hmm. the you know, all of that stuff is there. But if but at the end of the day, you're what we got is like basically a McMansion. Are you familiar with that term? Yeah. So like it's like a a, a cheaply built up thing that's made to look like another thing, even though the tools that were used to create it 
uh, were were all there and like everyone was trained correctly. And I don't know, it just never it never felt like a fully fledged uh, idea machine. You should watch the Queen of Versailles, the documentary about the. Um the uh, uh what are the um uh tele- not telemarketers but it's basically the guy who like built the uh the idea of timeshares and then oh, he's pyramid building schemes. yeah <laughs> timeshares <laughs> and he and he's building this mansion which is basically out it's going to be the biggest mansion in in hollywood uh, in florida uh but it the the financial crisis happened and spirals out it's really fascinating idea about like what does luxury come from and, and you know, yeah. this idea of Versailles. Well, again uh to dotune's uh, uh email i i i d- I, I like the reading that uh, you've given us. I'm not sure it's supported by the text. I would rather you made that film, Dotun. I would rather see mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. that story and that sort of way the Joker's thing is told because I think it's more interesting than what we got. Yeah. All right, moving on from Steve. Uh, I am at a crossroads, Steve says, because while I absolutely adored the visuals of this picture and how it invoked the 70s, 80s cinema like Scorsese, uh, Friedkin, and De Palma, while also mixing it up with a beloved comic book villain like the Joker... The world we live in today is now so very different from when it was back then. Movies like Taxi Driver and Falling Down, where a man is so beat down by society that he finds his only solace in a loaded gun or other means, don't quite work the same way today in 2019. When gun violence is happening practically every day in schools, bars, music concerts, nightclubs, synagogues, offices, and even elementary schools all across the country because people who don't feel understood and feel the only way to get back at the world is to take the lives of others, it seems pretty irresponsible to depict a comic book villain in such a similar fashion, even going as far as to incite riots because of what he's done. I'm surprised the WB let this movie get released. I thought a lot of Hollywood was against gun violence. My wife and I found ourselves at one point in the film looking around at our fellow moviegoers, just keeping an eye out. It really struck a nerve with both of us. We love movies and love seeing all sorts of stories, but this one just seemed to go too far in today's world. It goes back to one of your pods when you asked what role do filmmakers have with gun violence? Uh, That's a big part of the discourse, Steve. Yeah. Uh, Shahir, thoughts? So I think, you know, like the conversation that you might be discussing, you know, like I I agree with what you're saying, Steve, in this email. And I think, you know, there there were conversations early in the reviews that came out that called this an irresponsible film that might incite violence. And obviously there were things like, uh, you know, the FBI issuing warnings around this. Although I will admit the the, the most enjoyable part of that was the the fact that uh, overseas distributors said, no, there's no there's no potential threats of violence at overseas screenings. It must just be an American thing. um, yeah. and, and I think I think that is true. Um, the whether, but I guess the point, the only point of conjecture I have here is that while I agree that we used to have more movies that that played with the moral characters, you know, films like um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer or um, Falling Down, Falling Down. Um, there was a Robin Williams movie, I think, Father of the Year, where he goes on a killing Patch spree. Adams. <laughs> Not quite, Pat. Yeah, that's the other Joker movie that we didn't quite get. Wasn't Robin Williams going to play? He was either going to play the Joker or the Riddler at one point. Oh, uh, Riddler, Riddler. Yeah, he was going to play the Riddler. Um, I think, uh, I, I firmly believe we can have films that are either nihilistic, uh, that can be, um, you know, counter... Uh, counterculture in some way that can be um, transgressive. You know, I think we can actually have films like that today. And I think, you know, if if they're made well, um, they can be incredibly powerful. I, I, I think the issue for me is that whether the film kind of lands that successful bridge to, you know, like to 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 create uh, an environment where the audience is receptive to that idea. You know, like I think 
parts of uh, Nolan's Joker is entirely transgressive and counterculture and to the point where we agree, you know, we're, we're kind of like understanding his point of view. Um, I, I just, I think the thing, the issue isn't that we can have films like that. The issue is, is whether those, whether this film is successful at doing it. And I don't, I, I that's what I'm not entirely, I, I don't think it's uh, either, either, I don't think it's transgressive or if it is, it's not very successful at being transgressive. Um, and, and I think, you know, I would like to see a film that challenges my belief structure in interesting ways. I would like to see films that, that, you know, make me question in pragmatic terms how to view the world in a different way. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the issue for me isn't that, isn't that that is possible. It's whether this film can do that. And I, and I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Uh, I went from a hard line of like, especially when I started reading the, the stuff before I saw this movie, I, I initially called it, um, I forget what the word I used, but I switched it then to inconsequential. Uh, 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 I think I said unnecessary. Right. Um, and I since back, I've, I've backtracked on that because I don't really want to start calling uh, any forms of art necessary or unnecessary. Because didn't I do that on a Spider-Man review? Possibly. I, I think I called I called Spider-Man. Oh yeah, but I did, home, but I disagreed with it. Like yeah. what I'm saying is I, I'm sticking, <laughs> I'm saying yeah. I I did. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm happy to do that. <laughs> well, one of us one of us is gonna be. Be, be logical. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> uh, so the the take on this really is, I don't think this movie. Let, let's put it this way: I don't think this movie will speak to a lot of people that I agree with from a social perspective at this day and age, like at this sort of time period in 2019. Like the people we even talked about a little bit in the podcast here, like when when people would cheer when the Joker would kill somebody. Mm-hmm. That's like, huh? Where, where but are you, you coming from? You know, you know the other film I thought about uh, that that actually it took me two viewings to really yeah. appreciate what it was trying to do because I thought it was doing the wrong thing was the Wolf of Wall Street, and and you know like there was an interesting thing that happened around that movie which is which is commented on in the film which is that people just read it the wrong way they think it's a celebration of this character but it's not and the movie the text itself actually speaks to that yes but this doesn't so this yeah. is sort of where my point sort of gets to mm. the reason why I, I think what Steve is saying here a lot of it is very correct the the thing I would take umbrage with is sort of like we shouldn't use the fact that Joker wasn't able to make what it is doing which I think is kind of just like in bad taste almost at the current time but it doesn't the, the reason why I find it like oh that's kind of silly and dumb is not because it's not in that taste it's because they they don't use them speaking out a little bit differently than what the culture is sort of saying in any meaningful or or point-fueled way. Like, again, you sort of said, like, you want films to be transgressive, Shahir. You want them to sort of change the way you look at stuff. And I have no problem if a film does that or at least tries to um, real... And I think Joker, in its own way, parts of it did try. Mm-hmm. Um, but it eventually never landed on a, a cohesive thought of what it was sort of trying to say. And therefore... It does. I I kind of get that feeling of like, oh, this might be a little irresponsible, but only because it didn't land a message at all. It didn't have. It didn't say anything. Right. And and I never want to stop movies from being made. That and I look. I didn't work on this film. I, I'm sure there were a ton of people that that either a tried really hard to have it say a message, or b say think it has a message that did not resonate or I did not catch. But it feels like a lot of people um, 
are sort of on both sides of the fence of this, whether or not like this movie resonated or it didn't. And that's sort of where the, the discourse sort of started. Uh, well, actually, the discourse started when people were talking about it into people who hadn't seen it. And then two groups of people who hadn't seen this movie were then talking about whether or not this movie should exist. Um, long story short. Uh, I think you can 100% have a film that does all of the things that Joker does, but if that exists, I'm not going to enjoy it, nor will I endorse it, unless it actually has a an, a, a point that is either thought-provoking or at the very least cohesive. And Joker didn't for me. Yeah. Um, so, so Steve, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. I think the the hype, especially with the you know looking around the theater and all that jazz. Um, I mean, that's the, the 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 shitty American world we live in at this point. That seems very um, relatable to me. Um, and I get that it's uh, it struck a nerve. I just I it's a dangerous. Uh, I never want to do the thing where just because it's not what even if it's like uh some something like this where especially the treatment of of either gun violence or just violence for violence sake i i think it's more important to have the uh, the ability for creators to tell a story because i think that then eventually depending on how people you know how the project works out at the end you could have the ability to do something truly special i just don't think this one's it and, and then as far as sort of the whole like you brought up like the fbi issuing warnings and like inciting violence i don't think this film was inciting violence but there is again i go back to a lot of different things on secondary effects of of violence or anything in any media we do uh, watching the joker will not make a non-violent person violent but it can uh, watching Joker and all of the things we sort of do can also kind of normalize violence in that in in our society and how we do it. And uh, there's there's a lot of studies on that, and and there's hopefully going to be many more. And, and we will eventually do our violence in cinema episode. It's, it's, I think we've been teasing that for the longest period for like time. a year and a half. Yeah. But anyone who's been listening to this podcast for long enough knows that's how we tease our best stuff. We just <laughs> keep talking about it until eventually we get there. My my the only reading of this film that I think I'm sort of interested in in terms of revisit it is is not to do with nihilism not to do with transgression it's to do with the idea that this is an inverted hero story you know that 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 it does it makes all the same beats uh and notes as the batman story does or any other superhero origin story does uh or you know but but inverts them in a way that that uh uh insults our morality and I think, and I think that would be an interesting way to read the film. Uh, I didn't quite get the sense that that is the level at which the film is operating on first viewing, um, but I'd be curious to kind of revisit it with that lens, and I'd be, I'd be willing to give it another shot with that lens on. Um, I'm not entirely convinced at this point, and I, I, but I, but you know, to your point, I, I think films uh, that challenge our worldview and that. That speak to the fact that we we are collectively scared of sometimes going to the movies because of a school you know because of a potential shooter uh, should be made and I think we you know like we should movies at the heart of what they do should speak to the to to broader audiences psyches and should you know like speak to the not only to the individual in the room but also to the to the broader culture that it's that the movie exists within um and and i would i'm i'm for one there and i and i you know absolutely think films can be amoral and weird and twisted and and messed up but but uh you know I, 
at the heart of that, I think they should do it for some purpose. Yeah. And that purpose uh, should be evident in a way that 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 allows us to read it, interpret it. You know, again, took me a couple of goes to get to the wall to, to get on the same wavelength as the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And and I would have been one of the first people that might have called that film irresponsible. And for uh, and for all the talk Todd Phillips was doing about uh, you know, the, pitching this as trying to sneak a real movie into a comic book movie, um. Well, I know that's just going to rub you the wrong way. Well, yeah, but but like, look, there, comic book movies at this point are a genre, and there's some that are schlock, and there's some that are just super tropey, and then there's some that elevate beyond mm-hmm. that. And um, but even beyond that, sort of like um, that that statement itself, uh, I think that is, I think with because the origin of this film came from a statement like that, or at least that's what the public sort of story is, and who knows if it's true or not. But if that's the case, if that's where we're coming from then no wonder it didn't have a cohesive thing to land because all you're all you're kind of doing is trying to basically subvert for subversion's sake but isn't that what logan does logan is is i mean he may not have said those words out loud but that's what logan is right logan is like trying to take a uh, a comic book genre film and and turn it into an individual story i mean but the truth of the matter is logan as a as a in, in the way it is portrayed is is you know sad and dark and and whatnot but like that's also almost in the exact book of old man logan like there there's it's still like it's still based very solely in comic books and i think people that actually do this thing like oh sneak a real story into a comic book movie are ignorant to literally the breadth of graphic novels like i think that's just sort of like a dismissive like it, it's it's I'm, I'm just saying like in terms of what whether he said it out loud or not, I mean, isn't I'm that saying when you're coming, to... when you're coming to, I don't think that they went. The, Logan does not feel to me like the creators of that movie were like Wolverine's bullshit. We can make him cool. Like that's not where it came from. They just did a different Wolverine story because everyone agreed that the Wolverine, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, no matter if it's in a good X Men movie or a bad X Men movie, is an interesting, worthwhile take. And they took it and they did a, a side sort of story of it to sort of end it out. I don't think it ever came to it being like we're gonna fix Wolverine. This movie came uh, a lot to me, Joker. I mean, as sort of a, especially with what's being said about that sort of thing being like, you know what, comic book movies are bullshit. I bet you we could do a different thing with them, and that sort of was the statement. What do you think of Scorsese's statement this week, um, where he said, uh, you know, like basically he said uh, he was asked the question of, "Do you watch Marvel movies?" And yeah. he, he said something along the lines of, "I've tried watching them; they're not really um, for me." He doesn't. He and he said, you know, it's not really cinema in terms of getting an emotional congruent point across. It feels more like a theme park ride. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, I think his his statements are incredibly sound exactly like him. I uh, he is totally uh, to his opinion. I think it got conflated a little bit out of out of the point of it. Like though, if you if you listen to Scorsese talk about cinema. He just he talks about cinema in a specific way and a lot. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think what he said is particularly inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, he's just saying he doesn't enjoy it. That like that's like me saying like you know what I I I don't particularly like opera, right? Uh, because it doesn't speak to me. I've never been emotionally resonant with an opera, and it feels a little bit more like um uh I would say like a self indulgent theater. Right. Uh, but but like that that's the same thing to me. But then of course the internet jumps on it and is like, oh, Scorsese's so out of touch. It's like no, but well, he. He's well, I mean, I, do do you read to Phillips's? 
do you read Phillips's comment about trying to sneak a uh, a thing into comic book movies in the same with the no, same kind Scorsese, of empathy? Scorsese, no, because he's literally downplaying the thing he's taught. He he's making the thing he's talking about while downplaying what the only reason why he's able to make the thing he's making. Like where Scorsese's not making superhero movies because they don't interest him. He, he was actually attached to uh, uh, the Joker at one point. I know, but yeah. it, but he's not making them because he's not interested in them. Like, and that's fine. You can be not interested in stuff. Kevin, Kevin Smith this week said the funniest thing where he said, uh, Scorsese made the ultimate superhero movie of all time in The Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, like, uh, thank you, Steve, for writing in. Um, thank you, everybody, for writing in. Yeah. We uh, appreciate, uh, you know, like, it, it's a, it, the, this movie has spurred a kind of cultural conversation in really fascinating ways. And maybe for that reason alone... Bravo, Joker. Bravo, Todd Phillips. You did it. Bravo, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Again, he did. He did it. I think the performance is great. I just don't you know whatever. Uh, anyway, everyone, if you want to write us in, if you here's the deal, and I'm not promising this whatsoever, but the more emails you write us about specifically cultural touchpoint films or things that we talk about. Probably the more of these we're going to do because we don't want to spoil them. We were going to do this in the Hustlers episode, and they were like, "We don't want to spoil Joker if people are just watching this thing for Hustlers." We also don't want to, you know, like d- divert the conversation around Hustlers. Yeah, we felt that that that's often a, a thing for us. So that's why you're getting this extra long emails edition. So email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or onlymoviepod on Twitter. Um, also, please drop us some iTunes reviews. Uh, that would be lovely. One star or five stars, whatever you can spare. We'd prefer the five, to be perfectly honest. To be fair, it doesn't uh, cost you much. I, 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 Moments of your time, well, and, actually, and no, possibly but, you logging in and being inside of Apple's infrastructure. But also, like maybe you have to pay for the internet costs. You know, like somewhere the, that's true. And then whatever device you're listening to it on, for yeah. instance, if it's your phone or an MP3 player, and then whatever headphones or speaker systems you have, we're uh, making a lot of presumptions. Also, about electricity. Finances. Yeah, you know what? Only if you're comfortable, <laughs> please leave a review. It really will cost you at least thirty-five cents uh, <laughs> if for the time. And the, well, yeah, but actually, we don't know what people's time is worth either. Like right. they could that's be high-powered business folk, oh. and then if that's the case. <laughs> Taking that five minutes to write something thoughtful like Zach did last week on our Hustlers episode <laughs> could actually cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. I would love someone to send us a detailed invoice for their time. If someone <laughs> writes us a review as an invoice for the time that they wrote the review, and whether, oh my God. And whether it was time well spent or whether uh, whether it was not. That, I, have you I can only hope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll be back next, uh, well, uh, a couple days or whatever um, for the next film that we're doing, which I think is Gemini Man? Gemini Man? Gemini Man. Are you a Gemini Man or you are like Gemini a Gemini Man. I'm Taurus fella. Are you a Taurus fella? Yeah. What I'm, are you? I'm a Taurus dude. Oh, nice. There we go. So we got two bulls in a Gemini shop. How about Scorpio girl? Uh, ooh, how about... Uh, Pisces <laughs> Pisces fish I was, I was just about to be like How about cancer And I was like That's <laughs> yeah. Oh Oh well. Anyway We'll talk to you later Bye Bye, Bye.